Showtime. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland. Thank you for joining us tonight. You're listening to Night Fright. A very serious subject matter tonight, folks. If there are little ones around, if the kids are around, send them to another room without question, without hesitation. If they're awake, perhaps if you're watching this at night, send them off to bed. We're going to be talking about demons tonight. We're going to be talking about exorcisms and possession. Our guest tonight, Christine Corda, actually went through a Roman Catholic exorcism. Folks, just let me read this. And this is from the Christian Catholic Encyclopedia. And it says, Man is in various ways subject to the influence of evil spirits. By original sin, he brought himself into captivity under the power of him who thence, from the time of Adam's transgression, had the empire of death. That is to say, the devil himself. It is going to be a show that will be profound and will rock your very being. Strap in and hang on. Here we go. There is a time to question. There is a time for answers. There is a time to challenge. There is a time to speculate. There is a time for change. There is a time for truth. The time is now. Welcome. Night Fright, your voice in the dark for Paranormal and Conspiracy Radio. And now your host, Brent Holland. Welcome, welcome one and all, I'm Brent Holland. Welcome to the show. Tonight... Exorcisms, Demons, and Possessions. Our guest tonight, Christine Corda, is a psychic medium as well as a psychic paranormal investigator. In the 1980s and 90s, Christine suffered severe demonic attack. So much so, the Roman Catholic Church was called in and performed a formal exorcism. Now, anyone who knows the RCC knows that they do not grant formal exorcisms without a very good cause. But this formal exorcism failed. Why? And that's where we're going to go right now. First off, I want to welcome Christine Corda to Night Fright for the very first time. Thank you for joining us, Christine. Thank you very much for having me, Brian. It's great to be here. It's wonderful to have you on the show. Let's start off, shall we? Shall we talk a little bit about your history? Um, you know, we've all seen the movies, The Exorcist, all three of them. Anthony Hopkins was just is presently in a movie about demonology and exorcisms. Um, can we talk a little bit about your personal story? What got you involved in the paranormal and, of course, how you became possessed? Well, uh, how I became uh, involved in the paranormal as an investigator was secondary to was as a result of me being possessed and having the experiences that I had within the church. As a child, I was brought up 
by people who were into satanic rituals. And they were into the dark arts. They were into dark witchcraft. Satanism. It's not really Satanism. It's just they called it dark witchcraft. And as a child, I was used in different rituals, um, uh, more or less to, to make me, condition me to be uh, one of them. That sounds kind of conspiratorial, but that's what they do. So as a result of their behavior to me, I ended up with a lot of spiritual problems and a lot of demonic problems. So I wanted to just interject that because I heard what you read in the beginning about how our sin, you know, and I don't, I don't doubt that, how our sin brings in the devil into our lives. But it also can result from other people's sins and other people's behavior, and that's how I ended up having these problems. But also, just one thing that I want to touch on is because I'm psychic and a psychic medium, I recognized spirits, I recognized what people were about, and I retained those abilities, and it ended up helping me to get through it. So the history is a little bit different. Than <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that for us. Now, let me go back. Um, you said you were a child and raised by devil worshippers. Would that be a correct way of putting it? Or darker side worshippers? How would you cl- clarify yeah, that? Uh, I would say darker side. If, if you say to someone who's a Satanist you worship the devil, they're going to say no, they don't. There's a lot of distinctions between a devil worshiper, a Satanist, and somebody who's involved in witchcraft, which is, let's just put it the way that it is. If someone's involved in darker witchcraft, they will practice the way of, of a witch, but it's not with good intentions. And, and what makes us, what mm-hmm. makes our religions holy or unholy is our hearts and our, our intent, not the religion in itself. So that's, yeah. So it was dark witchcraft. And how old were you? It started... My memories that I must add, and I'm going to add a few times, were never recovered. I never had to recover anything. They were always there. I was two, about two and a half when they started three, probably more like three. Oh, my God. Um, it started when I was three, and you know that's what they considered to be ritualistically mature. Um, it started when I was three and ended when I was about 11. I don't know why it ended when I was 11. Wow. I have no idea why they stopped it. Probably because, the, you know, you're getting a little older. You're more, um, you know, to, to do something like that to an adult, it's a, it's a lot harder than to do it to a, a little child who can't, you know, defend themselves. Three years old. Now, what in the name of God has anything got to do ritualistically with a three-year-old? What, what in the hell were they thinking? Uh, I, don't, I don't think that they're thinking, and I don't think that anyone who... You can't really answer the question as why people abuse children. Um, any type of abuse to a child is, is sick, and it's despicable. And there's really, you know, you can become a psychologist or a psychiatrist and maybe find some answers. But as far as ritualistically, I think that the more that you get into um, giving and spiritually speaking, the more that you get into um, worshiping and giving to an evil entity – the worst things that you have to do in order to keep uh, pleasing them, if you want to use that word, or appeasing the the, de- the deity, and even if it's just in people's minds, you know their behavior is is real. You know, even if they're not worshiping something that's real, so a lot of people say to me, "Well, it's not real what they do." The behavior that stems from what they worship is certainly real, and they just want to be as as sick. They want to offend God. 
They want to offend God through us. Now, I suspect they target children like this because of their vulnerability, without question. That, I think, goes unsaid. But also because, as you said, they are a pure entity. Um, They have just come from what I would perceive as God. And I think you're right on when when you say they want to defile God. What has this done? What did this do to you while you were going to school? Did uh, did you ever talk about it with your your friends, with your teachers? Um, I had a real hard time in school. I had a really hard time in school when I was in kindergarten. I remember drawing pictures of very graphic uh, ritual rituals, um, altars, you know, upside down crosses, stuff like that. Unfortunately for them, I was very artistic, you know. And nothing was ever said of it, but this when I when I was in kindergarten, it was the late sixties, early seventies. I'm dating myself there, and you know, it, it wasn't the same as it is now. You know, they just kind of overlooked a lot, and I didn't have a lot of friends. I was a chubby kid, and you know, my parents, the household that I grew up in, very alcoholic, obviously abusive, um, didn't didn't take care of me well. I was not cared for very well. So when I went into school, it was very hard. Never talked to anybody about it. Um, a lot, few and far between I would talk to people. I remember someone from when I was about probably like five, four or five. As a matter of fact, when you, I didn't even remember that before. Um, this woman that was very, very kind to me when we lived actually up near, uh, up near uh, Canada. But it never how – do do, how do you as an adult respond to a child who's saying that? By all appearances, upper middle class, you know. Looks okay, a little chubby, whatever. It wasn't like I was really that badly taken care of. I was just neglected, more on the neglected side. So you can't. It's a hard thing to to get. How many times have we read about children who are being abused and they're overlooked and they're constantly overlooked? You know. So these are people that are very organized. These are people who are extremely organized. They're tight knit, if you want to coin that term, and they know how to hide it. And they know exactly what to do, you know. Christine so Cordes. Christine, no problem. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Christine Cordes, our guest tonight, folks. She's a paranormal psychic medium and a psychic paranormal investigator. She also underwent a possession. She also underwent an exorcism. I should say, I should say, obsession, as you've clarified that before. Now, can you describe some of the rituals that went on? I mean, you're just a child. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what you want me to describe. Actual rituals, uh, or just some of the things that they did. Some of the things um, they did. The graphic, the graphic end of it, because some of it's quite graphic. As graphic as you'd like to be. I want people to know what's going on. Um, I'm sure, unfortunately, this is continuing today, and I want people to be aware of it so perhaps it can be prevented in the future with someone else. Yeah, it's going to be a real hard thing to prevent, (laughs) real hard thing to prevent, especially after the 80s and the early 90s where they – they just poo-pooed it all, and they talked about false memory and all this other stuff. It's extremely hard for, for victims of ritual abuse to come forward, um, to talk about it, to be believed, and to even have a, a, a forum to share, you know, because people are either on one side of it or the other. They either believe it to an obsession or they don't believe it at all. And, you know, some of the rituals that happened to me, I don't think that I've ever even read about in books or seen in horror movies because they were that bad. 
um, one of the last rituals that I remember happening was being brought into – there was a lot of use of graveyards uh, – was being brought out into a, a graveyard where there was a, a crypt. I suppose it was a crypt. It, was a, it wasn't a, an inside thing. It was on the, the – Whatever those raised up graves are, I don't know what to call them. They have the cement goes on top of them. Yeah, I don't know what the, those are called specifically. And um, they have the group there, the coven, if you will, and they have the one man that was actually the specific leader of it. And he uh, did some things that were very abusive. Let's just say sexual abuse. Um, and then, but they, what they did put me actually in the grave. And when they put me into the grave, they tied my left hand up to a corpse or what I perceived, and this is important, what I perceived at the time to be a corpse. Because you have to understand it could have been something that was made up to look like a corpse because they did a lot of that just to make it look bigger and, and badder than it was. But certainly at the time it did seem to be that they lowered me into it, told me that I was going to die. I was going to die to this world. Um, a bunch of other mumbo-jumbo that I don't even want to get into at this point. Uh, and then they covered it. And as far as, for all intents and purposes, in my mind, you know, here I was trying to get away from whatever it was that was tied to my left hand. It was a ritual to make me um, get the soul or the spirit of whoever had died and was still, you know, the body of the person who had died. That's what their whole thing was, trying to get away from that and panicking because after that there was just a, a, a lot of bugs. You know, a lot of bugs came in. It was pitch dark. They were crawling all over me. They were crawling all over my face. And, you know, there was really nothing that I could do at that point. I, I don't want to get upset here, but that's extremely upsetting. Um, what do you do? You know, I think at that point I probably went a little bit – I dissociated a little bit more than uh, <laughs> more than normal, if you will. And, um, you know – trying to get out, trying to get out, and they opened it up, and there they were, and here was the one who was the leader, and he said, I've saved you, and I, I saved you from death, and, and that was their, their their way of doing things, you know, and, and after that, I think um, I was more resigned to it. Before that, I used to put up a lot of fights, and I used to, you know, tell them, no, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do that, but that at that point, it's it sort of, I, I resigned myself to it. Because it, it scared the crap out of me. I've never, I don't think I could ever be that scared again in my life. So I just shut down, you know, to deal with it. When you say you shut down, um, most people, when they're going through that type of abuse, sexual abuse as well, they disassociate, as you say. They take them, their minds out of their body, if you will, and they go for yeah. a ride. You, pro- I suspect you did basically the same yeah. thing. Were you able to talk to your parents about this? No, you you're, you won't. You know, I, I think at first maybe you can talk to somebody, but when they when it, when a person gets into a cult, okay, if the mindset of a cult is power, control, fear, intimidation, conditioning, whatever, there's one main person, usually one main person in a cult, and not just evil cults, you know, like cults like uh, Jim Jones or what have you. And after a while, it becomes to the point where you're afraid. Um, you just can't back out. There comes a point in time when you can't back out, you know. And it probably was true as I was being threatened throughout my life. You know, if you ever and certainly abuse victims go through this. If you ever tell, we'll kill your parents, we'll kill you, we'll kill your puppy, whatever. 
You know, they use all these tactics to keep you under their control. So I did try. I did try, um, I think, once in school when I was about seventh grade. And I actually went into the guidance counselor and sat and talked with him about it. And he actually looked at me and said, well, I went to school with your parents. So that was pretty much it. And they actually called my parents. They came and picked me up. And there was never a word. Never one word more was said about it. But at about age 11, I, I started to. I was a chronic runaway. And then after that, they would put me in. They made an, an effort to put me in psychiatric wards. Not that I didn't need it, believe me, but to discredit me. And they would go around telling people that I was nuts, I was crazy, you know, I was delusional and all that sort of thing. Because that was the only way they knew how to handle it. Christine Cord is our guest tonight. Uh, com. There you will find a photo of her. Uh, Just click on the photo. We'll take you right to her website. She's a psychic medium. She also has... Uh, radio show on blog talk radio all the links will be there for you folks christine you're an adult now have you ever thought about criminal charges would that be a possibility and are you still threatened today um i don't i i i never thought about criminal charges the only thing that i've ever thought about and i don't have the funds to do it and if anyone who's watching wants to help me out to do it be my guest um, was to go up to the locations and to see what I can, I don't want to say unearth, but what the heck, here's a good pun for us, you know, to see what I can uncover in terms of finding out the locations, the people. Um, are they still organized up there? Um, different, there's, there's different, I, and I don't want to get specific with the states, but there's about three different states that I was, that they were actually active in. And I would like to do that to research it and try to uncover it because it's not something that I want to believe. You know, I, I, I wrestle with it. It's still, I'm 47 years old, and I still wrestle with it. It's like, oh, another, you know, another bad dream, another nightmare. Um, ah, this couldn't have happened, you know. So criminal charges, no. I don't think that they would be able to – it happened so long ago. I don't think that there would it would be possible at this time. Um if it were possible, yeah, I think I would. If I could get that, what is that that you need in court? You need 100%. Christine, I want to ask you also, did you ever cry out to God and say, where the hell are you? Yep. Lots of times. I, I remember that that ritual. I, I, I assume that it was recorded. I remember the ritual where they put me into the grave, and I can still remember Closing my eyes and saying, "Please," I would call the God that the God that uh, Jesus. That's what I. Because my my grandmothers were very religious; they were very Christian, and my my um, maternal grandmother was my lifesaver, really. And um, I would I was begging God to put me to sleep. I, I remember it distinctly. Please put me to sleep. Let me go to sleep. I want to go to sleep. And. Uh, he never went. He never put me to sleep, and I to this day I struggle with what kind of a god um, wouldn't answer a prayer like that. But I guess in a way I went to sleep because I sort of disassociated and stepped back from it. But yes, all the time. And um, but we can get onto that later because when I went into the church, it was it was compounded. You know, you're not going to have a good relationship with God when you're laying in a grave. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Let's let's talk about 
how you came to believe that you were obsessed and how the ritual came about. Um, I didn't mean to use the word ritual. The, um, the exorcism came about with the Roman Catholic no, Church. Yeah, it actually is a ritual. You know, if you think about it, and I remember my friend Frank, who's who's a demonologist as well as a he, he does a deliverance uh, in Haiti. Um, he's part of our group. Uh, he he always said, well, they have rituals to to remove demons in the Catholic Church and other churches. They also have rituals to put them in. You know, and a person will stand over a child and ask in a ritual. You know, to have a demon or spirits or what have you to be put inside the, the child or outside of the child to influence the same as we do with like baptism or I'm not comparing the two because one is very bad and the other is very, very kind, you know, but everything it's like yin, yin and yang for whatever's good and holy. There's going to be something that's disgusting and evil. It's I don't know why it is that way, but there it's usually that way. So. I forgot your original question. I was asking you what led up to the fact that um, the Roman Catholic Church decided to give you an exorcism. Oh, yes. Well, it, it, like I said, I was a chronic runaway. And then by the time I reached um, 18, 19, I decided I was going to become a, nerv- a, a, a nervous – a nervous – a nurse's aide, which I was nervous too, um, a nurse's aide. And I took the course, and I, I did actually very well. Unfortunately, I, I hurt myself. I hurt my back on the job. And I wasn't able to work. Um, so, I mean, geez, by the time I hit 21 years old, I was exhausted. You know, I felt like I was about 80 years old, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, and, and it was a weird thing because I had not, you know, I had gone into the church when I was a little kid with my grandparents. And, you know, you put on a show and all that. But when I was, when I was like 19 or 20, I, I got myself confirmed, went into the church, uh, the Catholic church, um, and tried to get some relationship with God, but I didn't know anything about the church. I didn't know anything about Catholicism or anything like that, basically nothing. And a girl that I worked with was going over to this healing mass. She would go to these healing services, and um, having an injury, I thought, well, what the heck, I don't have anything better to do, which was not a really good way to go to a healing mass, but I didn't have anything else to do on, on a Friday night. So I did. I went to a couple of them. And I thought, yeah, okay. Um, and then I went to this one who was with uh, a priest named Father Fred Alfonso. And I believe that he passed away, but I'm not sure. He was a, a, mis- a missionary priest from uh, India, Bombay, India. And I didn't know anything about him, nothing about him. Didn't know anything about healing masses or even ma- you know, the mass itself. Went there. He was, he was uh, doing his talk on deaf people in, in India and in Bombay. Apparently there's a high percentage of, of deaf people in there and this was back in um, I believe it was 1984 or 85 so we're going back a few years um, and nothing I was actually kind of bored and he said well okay everybody's going to come up and get your blessing and then you know we're going to have coffee whatever the Catholics run out and have coffee or whatever they do when I went up I I used to see spirits of people who had died I used to see spirits of things that were just – would hear things, different things in the house and the bedroom and all that. But I never really uh, made the connection with it, you know. But at that time, going up to see this priest who was very unassuming, he didn't advertise anything. He was just very quiet. I started to hear something talking, and I know, yeah, you're crazy. It was all from my own 
split mind, but it wasn't. It was something that was separate from my own voice. And I, I, I always, always remember that, that it was like it was coming from outside of me, but sort of it wasn't me. That's all I knew. And I think I've talked to a few people who have gone through obsession and demonic activity, and they know what I mean. And I think if you do, you know, not that it, it would happen to you, but if you talk to people it's happened to, there's a distinction. And when I – to make a long story short, the, the horrible language, it was just like, oh, this effing priest, don't go to him. He's disgusting. This other. And I'm thinking, I don't care. if I don't have anything against this priest. What the heck is all this going on for? Why am I thinking this? I was thinking that it was coming from me even though it wasn't. You know what I mean? Um, when I got to stand in front of him and he was going to give the blessing, uh, it just – it's like I don't even remember I was standing in front of him, and the net, he said, come on up here and, and let me give you a blessing, and I couldn't move. And then I guess he either stepped forward or to give me a blessing, and the next thing I know is literally I – I, I think I probably like, practically flew to the back of the church to try to get out, um, and he was saying, stop her. She has a demon. She has a demon. Like I said, it's, it's, it's not like anything you'd see on TV or a movie. Um, and he began to pray over me because apparently I found out later that he was – had been involved in the exorcism ministry over in India and out here in, in the States. Um, so he started to pray over me, and, and at that point, it, the only thing that I remember was uh, feeling a burning on my throat, and I thought that someone was throwing very extremely hot water, boiling water on my face. When they couldn't do anything for me, um, and I don't remember this. I don't remember the whole thing. It was hours. It was like two or three hours that he prayed over me. Um, witnesses said two or three voices came out of my mouth, demonic voices, and I'm, I'm saying this for what other people said. I don't recall any of it. Um, they did call an ambulance at one point, had the ambulance take me to the hospital, and they did a whole check over and all that and found that I was, you know, there was nothing wrong with me physically or mentally to keep me there. But I had a, a burn on my neck right here, um, a perfect circle, and it was burnt. It was bruised and it was burned, and so something told me, and I'm not going to say it was it was angelic or whatever, but it just disturbed me to the point where I wanted to call this priest. So I found out where he was, and I called him up and I said, "Look, this is that girl that was in the church. What did you do to me? I have a burn on my throat." And you know, I, I want to know what you did to me. I ended up in the hospital, and you know, I was I was angry, but I wasn't that angry. I was more like scared. The fear of seeing that on my neck, it just something inside of me was was moved. To I think I knew. I really think that I knew, and I was just like really ignoring it. And he said, "I didn't do anything to your throat." He said, "I took a holy relic." He had a, a, a relic that he had had from Garabandal, where the um, the the theory or the theology is that they saw the Virgin Mary at Garbandal as she blessed these these relics, and he said he pressed it, placed it on my throat so that the demon would speak. Now, I didn't know that. I didn't have any knowledge of that. I had no. I don't. Did, still don't really know what Garbandal is. I know that it's a, supposed to be like Lords or something. And uh, he said that the only. I said, well, what, why were you burning me? What was the what the hot water? And he said that, that was holy water. So I said, well, I don't believe you, and he said, well, why don't you come and see me, and uh, you know, we'll pray again. And I said, okay, because I'm going to prove to you that it wasn't. It's, you know, it's just your 
fanatic or whatever, but I did go and see him again after that. Are, are we still connected? Cause, yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. So it was it was from that, um, you know, it burned. It's it's burned a lot. And the second time that I went to see him, um, I, I don't want to get upset, but it's 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 very that's okay. Wrong. Still, the second time that I went to see him, it was at someone's house, and um, he was a. And I kept thinking, my gosh, he's such a nice man, you know. Um, and he, he said, well, now he showed his slideshows from Garabandal and, and uh, India and all that. And again, I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm bored. Not, not, at, at 21, you're not going to be that interested in that sort of thing, you know. Um, and then he said, well, do you want to pray again? And I said, sure, because there's nothing wrong with me. And I, there was. There definitely was. And it's horrific. And I know that people talk about it, and they make money off of it, and they do their extreme haunting tours and all that other stuff. And I don't mean to be bitter. I'm a little bitter because it's not something that you should take lightly because this was something that was extremely personal to me, and it was very, very – it was horrific. You, you can never know what it's like to have something that's foreign, something that's evil, excuse me, and something that's that, that, um, that, that bad. And he prayed – and there was just words that I, I, I swear like a sailor, but I've never heard those kind of the, – the things that came out of my mouth. And the voice, oh, people have no idea. They, they have no idea the reality of what you can encounter when you're out there dilly-dallying in, in, in exorcism land. you know. And it was strong, and it was, it was probably generational, and it had been – you know. It was probably being fed by my own psychological state because I was never taught to interact with any kind of Catholic or any kind of minister. So it ended up but, – but after he was done, I remember sitting on the couch, and I started to cry, and I said, I've never felt this good in my life. I've never felt this free. It felt like I lost 100 pounds. You know, The stress of the world was lifted off me. And he said, that's because you were freed, that God freed you, you know. And unfortunately, as it goes, ah, I'm getting myself upset. I, I didn't – I swore I wasn't going to do it. Um, that's okay. It, that's okay. Yeah. As it goes, I, I ended up that I was re-ritualized, and um, one of the people um, that was in the dark coven came and, and uh, you see they didn't have magical powers that they, they knew I was up there with the priest they tapped the, they had taps on the phones that's how they knew um, and they did some some other thing I don't I never knew what it was but I believe that it's some kind of um, uh, I'm trying to think a cord or an attachment now that I do my, my own cleansings and clearings I've been able to understand a little bit more what they did came up did it put it put like thought that someone was tying a, a rope around my waist. After that, when I went to see the priest again, um, couldn't talk to him, couldn't open my mouth. And um, he said, oh, someone did something to you again. And I, again, it was just something took over. And it, and it wasn't, it would have been, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm, I would never ask for it, but it would have been a lot better for me if I just went out and didn't remember anything. Because the worst part of it was to feel those feelings, such the evil, it was disgusting. The thoughts that would come, the voices that would come, the smells, you haven't lived till you smelled that. People don't believe in demonic entities, they need to take a whiff when one's around, then you'll know. But uh, 
he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and nothing, nothing, nothing. And um, I, the only thing that I managed to say was that someone did something to my waist. And he took the relic and the crucifix and everything and he prayed. He placed the holy things on my waist and as he did so, Ooh, it's hard, harder than I thought it was going to be to talk about this. As he did so, um, I felt something actually wiggle, move under the skin, and then my lungs filled with fluid, and I coughed and coughed and coughed. And I, that's what he said was something coming out. But there was one. There was. It was never fully done, and that wasn't my exorcism, by the way. That was not. That was just the beginning part. You know, the beginning of it, the whole journey, if you will. He had to go back to India, and the church – and this was in the Bridgeport Diocese. Um, they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't even listen to him. He said, this woman needs help. No, they didn't want to know anything. They didn't want to know a thing. They didn't want to hear about it. They didn't want to hear about any kind of satanic ritual abuse. They didn't want to hear about the devil. They didn't want to hear about it at all. And when he had done that to my waist, it hurt. And again, I, I could never express how much it hurt. And you asked if I ever cried out to God. At that point in my life, I remember looking at my waist, and there was, there was burns all around my waist. And they were not just light red marks. They were burns, physical burns. Um, and I remember thinking, this is what God – God doesn't like me. God doesn't want anything to do with me. God burns me. He hurts me. And it was certainly probably something that had been – Encouraged, if you will, by the by the coven, but uh, he went back to India, and um, I tried to get help, couldn't get help. So he was going to come back. I think he was there in eighty four, eighty five, and then he was coming back due to come back in, in eighty eight. And I believe I saw him again in nineteen eighty eight. He tried as hard as he could. He really tried as hard as he could. Are you still in contact with the priest? No, I believe that he passed away. Oh, this I'm was in the eighties. Probably in his 60s then. Wonderful, wonderful man. I I don't know what happened to him. Uh, you know, India's certainly not a day trip, you know. And, um, yeah, no, I was for years after that, a couple of years, to the early 90s, and then I just pretty much, I, I, I did lose touch with the whole church, <laughs> pretty, pretty much. But after that, that's when I began my journey to try to petition the church, starting in about... Um, Probably like 1988 or 89. 88, I would say. Maybe 87. Let's go there now. Christine Cordes, our our guest tonight, folks. I just want to tell you where you can get her coordinates. Uh, She could be reached through the our Night Fright Show uh, website, which is www.nightfrightshow.com. Just click on her picture. We'll take you right to our website. Christine, are you open to emails if folks want to email you? Sure. I get emails a lot. Okay. That's great, folks. Let's go to the uh, 1990s and start your journey there. There, my hair was a mess back then. (laughs) (laughs) I used to have hair back then. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, then you went up to me there. (laughs) (laughs) Can we begin your quest um, in the 90s then? Yeah. Like I said, in in like 1989, let's just say 88 (laughs) because I don't remember. Um, It's written down somewhere. Uh, I started to petition the church. I, I, I was very inspired by this priest. Um, I also met another young man who was uh, going into the seminary. Um, darn. <laughs> no, just kidding. I had that effect on most of the men in my life. Um, 
But uh, he was. Uh, you have a good sense of humor, Christine. Yeah, I, I hope so. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I started to petition because he said to me, "You need a formal exorcism," and I was like, a "What?" You know, I didn't know. And he said, "You need to go to the church and you need to sit down with the bishop." And you need to ask them to do a formal exorcism. So I said, okay, you know. And you asked about if people were, were ever, did they ever uh, try to get back at me or did they ever, yes. At that point in my life, I had a lot of bullet holes in my car. I had an Oldsmobile Delta 88. It was huge and it was wonderful, but there was a lot of, there would be people that would follow me around. And they're not as, like I said, they're not as magical as they want you to think they are. Um, they'll do things like tap your phone. They'll watch you, what you're doing. Um, they'll get information from other people around you just so they can make it seem like they're very, you know, psychic and they can do a whole bunch of magical things and know what you're doing when, you know, just to keep the allure up. But uh, when they were following me around, finally one night I said, the hell with this. I don't have anything to lose. And I started following them back. And that's when it stopped. I said, I'll just, I'll just play it and play their game, you know. And they, ne- they pretty much, if they did, they didn't do it that I noticed that much. And then I took to carrying a, a video camera, which really backed them off because then it was a little bit more proof. You know, there was a little bit – I had a little bit more ammunition. You know, Christina, I was going to ask you too is you're for- you say you're 47 years old now. Has this – obviously, it's affected profoundly your life, but you've always been psychic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been psychic since uh, – as long as I can remember. And they did – one of the things that I think maybe I was attractive to them just as a child, but I think because there there was that ability, you know, and they want to tap into things like that. Every child – and this is my firm belief – every child has a psychic ability. Every single child has that innocence enough to be able to use those gifts that are given by God. They don't, they're not from anybody else. They're, they're from God. We're born with them, and somewhere along the line, and I say this, I'm so redundant because people who listen to my show know that I say this constantly. Somewhere along the line, whether it's a religion or fear or society, we don't use the abilities, and they become a little bit dormant, you know, but we all have them. I had them quite profoundly, you know, and I would see the spirits. I would see people who have passed away um, talk about, no, this isn't really happening. For the most part, I would – more or less, okay, acknowledge them. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you originally. You know, how were you? But I didn't really get into it. I didn't interact all that much. Um, but, you know, having that ability was, was, was basically my savings grace because it helped me to understand, to, to sense out what was going on, to sense out what was happening to me, what these people were about, what their true motives were. I don't know why it helped me that much, but it just – I saw things a little bit clearer that I probably would have had I not had them, you know, and um, I, I don't want to get into the whole – I mean the, there was a couple of things that happened to me when I was very young that had to do with Padre Pio who was a, a great mystic within the Catholic Church who's now a saint I believe um, and – would, would get a sense of him being around me when I was a small child. And when I got to be about 19 or 20, I found a little holy card before he was even sainted um, with him, and I would carry it around. I didn't even know who he was, but I remembered him being around me when I was a child. So there was some 
you know, there was a lot of bad things that I saw, but there was also some good things that were little intermittent saving grace situations, you know, that being a grand one of them. When you pray to God, Christine, what do you say to him? Do you ever get angry with him? I don't, I don't beg God anymore. For years it was, God, please, oh God, please, oh God, please. For years it was, I'm going to die. And, you know, the devil's going to come and take me and I'm going to die and go to hell. Oh, my God, I better not do this. I was so terrified of God. So when I pray, no, I don't ask why anymore. I pray and I say, thanks, <laughs> because I lived. And because I, I lived and I lived past 21 and I lived past 31 and I lived past 41. And now I'm pushing 51. And I've got two beautiful girls that I was told that, of course, it was an 80-year-old gynecologist. What did he know? That I wasn't going to be able to have kids. And, you know, I have two beautiful children. I've already been victorious, and that's my way of looking at it. They want to mess around with the computer. I don't care. Let them mess around with the computer. I thank God every single day because what I went through enabled me to see light in a very, very dark situation. Christine, in your travels as a paranormal investigator, do you indeed come across demonic possession? And what do you do in those instances? Um, I, I do not confront things. If, if there are things, I'm usually with other people. Uh, we don't try to confront anything at this point, and that's because of me. It, it isn't, it's, it's, it's not that I'm not afraid, but I don't consider myself that holy or that good or learned to even do that. I mean, I've seen it from one end, you know, the, the suffering end of it, um, and I know how into, how entailed it can get detailed it can get um for instance if you're dealing with someone who has a demonic infestation they're going to suffer psychologically they're going to suffer physically everything is connected so you can't just walk into a person a person's life and start praying over them and expect that to just heal all aspects of their life you have to go through the whole person you have to get them psychological counseling never hurts uh go to a a physician um, psychology, I already said that, and uh, then you, you, you direct things to the spirit. Because a lot of the times, most of the times that I've seen, not a lot, but most of the times that I've seen when a demon or an entity, even a human entity, takes hold of a person, it's because there's something missing. Because there's a strength that's down. There's a chink in the armor, if you want to call it that. And if someone has depression, oh, there's a, a weak spot that they can just jump in and start to use, and they start to use those things against the person, and then they can gain more and more entry. Can I ask you a question here? I always thought in order to be possessed, um, there had to be, you know, I go back to the Exorcist movie, of course, that Ouija board thing, there has to be an invite somehow. Is that not the case? It's the case in most instances, but it's not, sometimes you just don't know, um, and there's no answer for that, and sometimes there are no answers. Um, for me, like I said, it's sometimes the actions of other people result in our us having problems. Sometimes people will, you know, everything's made up of energy. And, and here I'm going to put on my psychic hat. Everything's made up of energy. So That's if right. I have if I bad energy towards someone, it has to go somewhere. And if something is around, it 
you know, it can feed something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If you're if you're running around with Ouija board and saying anything here, contact me. You're opening yourself up to anything. No. So it 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 an invitation. No, I don't believe that it always needs an invitation. I think that that's hope springing eternal. To be honest with you. I think that we all need to be very careful of our spirits. We need to, to guard our spirits like we do if we go to the gym, we, we jog, or we go on the bikes, or we swim to make sure our physical health is good. We need to do the same thing for our spiritual health so that nothing can enter, even if it's something that we don't know why. Is there something folks can do either through prayer or something else that can protect themselves? Yeah, I think that just being, you know, being involved in a church does help. It really does. Being involved with with any type of spirit, well, not any type of spirituality, but but having a home church, if you will, whatever church that you want, I, I wouldn't recommend one. Um, having faith, uh, believing in God, but also believing in ourselves, and realizing that we have authority to insist that no no energy that we no entities or energy that we don't want to deal with have a right to be in our lives, mm-hmm. and and that's what happened to me. After the whole exorcism and the, they walked away from me, they left me high and dry, I had to empower myself by recognizing my abilities, that they weren't evil, that they weren't demonic, and I had to fight. You know, you have to come to a spot where you, where you are able to say, I don't want this in my life, and really seriously, don't delve into things if you don't know what you're doing. I couldn't stress that enough. Don't go into the graveyard because you want to get funny VPs. Don't watch a TV show on, on, on uh, whatever channel and then go out and, and imitate that because it is real. And you can end up with – that is an invitation in and of itself. You know, Don't give it too much attention. Don't give evil too much attention. Look at the good in everything. There's always good in everything. Even in spite of evil, you can find good. A prayer – I, I pray to the angels and archangels. I, I pray, you know, the big one, Michael. Um, but whatever is, is in a person's heart to do, you know. Do you fear the demons will come back one day? I I don't. Um, I think that um, they try. I'm pretty sure they try. We get a, a bunch of uh, – eh, about a, it's, it's down to about twice a month now. It will go up now that I said that. Um, there'll be a big you know things will happen around the house christine have you ever tried to identify the demons that attacked you um yeah there there were identified now i never got into the identifying of them i used to see them a lot um not a pleasant thing they're very reptilian looking a lot of times they would come around and look like um people they would do little things with uh, looking like children uh but their eyes would be um one eye would be missing or an arm would be off or something was always lacking about them. And uh, no, no identification. No, um, uh, no, no, no. I left that up to the big guys. They, they did that. I never tried to identify them. No, but there was more than one because you keep saying them. Yeah, no, there was, there was, uh, there was one main one and then there was little ones. Uh, I don't know how to explain that other to say that there's a certain level there's certain levels of them. Uh, I don't want. I guess you could call it hierarchy. Uh, and there was a, a pretty big one. I don't want to say big, but main, uh, bigger one. There's little spirits. There's energy. 
there's um, demons, there's principalities, there's powers. There's all different levels of entities and energies. And this one, I think, was probably on the realm of like a probably a devil. But I, I don't know all that much about it. You'd have to get you know have to get a demonologist book or something. No, that's fine. That's fine. Do and the f- other ones, the the ones on the outside will hold. You know, will kind of kind of protect the other ones. You know, so that the the higher up ones or lower down ones in this case don't have to go. I mean, they'll do everything when they're confronted. They'll do. They won't do it. They'll be very very quiet until they're confronted. Well, I mean, I I did end up getting the exorcism. Or the the grant the grants I got the grant in about 1990 and uh, it took about a year maybe it was 89 or early 90 and I had to go through test and test and test that's one thing good about the Catholic Church they never you know they left no stone unturned they really looked for everything they looked for everything other than possession or obsession just to make sure that they were um, you know it was real and they sat me down and said it's real. There, there was no doubt in their mind that it was real. Um, what are some I, of those tests, Christine? What are some? Oh, of I had psychological tests. I would sit down and talk with the psychiatrist. I don't know who they. They were just church or uh, not ordained, but chosen by the church to sit down with me. I uh, had brain wave testing, brain tests, uh, hearing tests, eye tests. Um, my blood drawn several times. Um, I think they tested my urine and everything else. You know, they they pretty they did everything. I was in the hospital. They wanted me to go in the hospital to get psychiatric care. Um, they were very thorough. If you ever need help, and and I don't go to the Catholic Church that much now. I think it's a beautiful faith, beautiful beautiful rituals they have. Um, if you ever need help, they would probably be be, be the best because they're they're they embrace all sides of it. You know, they'll look at it from all sides. They don't just they don't just attack it on a spiritual level. They understand that there's mental and physical and, and uh, you know, other things that could be causing it but also could be um, making it worse, you know. So they did, they did the prayer and it was uh, – it was, it was, they left me. And, and I don't – you know, I don't know why. They've never got an answer for it. I was I – was <laughs> talk about feeling low self-esteem. You go to the church for an exorcism and they, and they leave you. But um, – yeah, they there was never a, a reason for why they did that, and I think, <coughs> excuse me, because so many people are not trained in this. They don't really train people to do this. They don't really get a, gr- a great understanding of it. Like I said before, there's there's paranormal investigators, uh, an exorcism exorcist a dime a dozen. You can go on Facebook or what is it, MySpace or YouTube, and everybody claims to be an expert. But you're you're talking about a person's mind, soul, body. You know, you can't. It's not it's not something to mess around with. But I unfortunately had a bad experience with them. They, the exorcist that that was chosen to do my exorcism, um, I believe that he he got in over his head, and they just didn't want to admit it, I guess. But they left me, and after they left me, I I don't know how I didn't die, because they did the prayer, they stirred everything up. Um, hurt like, I hurt like hell, literally hurt like hell. And then the next thing I, you know, there was probably about, it's probably about nine or ten hours worth of prayer. I went like this, because um, I didn't remember most of it. I remember certain spots of it. And then they just said, it's "Time to go. You got to go home." 
and you know we'll get back to you. Basically, that was it. Out the door, back to this little apartment that I had. Uh, Can I just interrupt you, Christine? Was this done inside a church in perhaps the rector's office? It was done in a monastery. A monastery. Yeah, so they they had every. I had a little certificate that I signed. Um, I, I, it was a waiver, but it you know it looked like a baptismal certificate um, with a little waiver written on the bottom that I wouldn't hold them responsible and all that. But it was a, it was a it was a it was a certificate that I had one. It was not what, a. What did the ritual entail specifically? Uh, well, there was a big audience for it. I'll tell you that right now. There was a lot of uh, people praying. Uh, okay. You know, a prayer group, I guess. There was one exorcist. Uh, would never give his name. Uh, you know, if anyone ever wants to know, never going to give his name. Um, and there was a couple of paranormal investigators at that time that um, there wasn't that many then. And they started out with, I think he did a mass that I did not int- attend. Um, I don't think they wanted me to know. They, that's not true. I don't remember why. I talked to a psychiatrist, and then the priest started. Uh, he put the purple, I believe they call it a stole, and he did the Latin prayers. I don't even know the prayers that he did. Were you they lying were down on a bed? Were you standing? Or No, I was sitting in a chair, and the, the one thing that I do remember, and I really am very – I don't really want to say it, but it was, it, it was very um, – extreme was that I remember that it was that he was he was standing over me and I was trying very hard to not have anything react because it was always like please God don't let me have anything else please God don't let anything come out trying to control it but after a while when something is being provoked like that they have to react I think it's just that they can't help it you know and just that a, a stream of whatever came out of my mouth and went about two or three feet across you know and hit him you know, hit him in the face. Christine, we're going to start to wrap up now, and I thank you for calling back. Um, you've been amazing. Uh, I want to thank you so much for your courage in coming on and telling the folks your story, what you've gone through, and perhaps in your own way, you're educating the folks out there that these things are yes. real. Um, they are to be considered as evil, for lack of a better word, um, and to just be aware uh, Christine Court has been our guest tonight, folks. She's a psychic, psychic medium as well as a psychic paranormal investigator in Connecticut. Easy way to reach her, all our guests, folks, uh, www.nightfrightshow.com, www.nightfrightshow.com. Just to let you know, next week, folks, we start our special on the JFK assassination. And we're going to be starting with a first-person per- witness Dr. Robert McClelland. He was a doctor right in Parkland Hospital, Trauma Room 1, that worked on JFK himself. And the wounds he witnessed are not the same he witnessed several years later when he looked at the autopsy photos. True, real-life history coming up on Night Fright Show. Christine, I want to thank you so much once again for your courage. Um, www.nightfrightshow, folks, just pick Click on her picture. We'll take you right to her website. She is open to emails. Please do if you are afflicted. Maybe she can direct you in the right position. I was going to say possession. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's been one of those days, folks. We actually started this show you're watching right now four times. And we would get a few minutes into it, and the Internet would just go dead. 
unbelievable. You've stuck with us through all of this as well, folks, and for that, I do appreciate. Uh, I'm Brent Holland. See you next time. Listening to Night Fright and your host, Brent Holland. The time is now. Your voice in the dark for paranormal and conspiracy radio. (laughs) 